0: about the geography of Cuba, we might keep in mind two important ideas. First, Cuba is an island. Second, Cuba has a tropical climate. Let's learn more about this island and its people.
1: I'm Johnny Pickett and this is the person and song podcast. Each episode I ask friends from different countries to bring a piece of music that commented on a change in their society Today we have Adrian Medina talking about Cuba
0: someone him the corner. Said someone, Jesus Christ
2: I don't know too much what this podcast is about. Johnny told me to listen to some of the shows, but I procrastinated and did not. Okay, so the song I brought, it's Carlos Varela, and it's called Jalisco Park. And it's like... This park that at one point, like early, like 60s, I think, was uh, like very popular. Everyone in Cuba went to it. And for some reason or another that I'm not sure of, it like closed down. And anyways, for older people like my parents, they always talk about like their memories at Jalisco Park. And so Carlos Varela does the same because he's around the same age as my parents. And not just my parents, every Cuban. Talks
0: about how he's going to be. la los botecitos en el mismo lugar Amos y payasos ganas de volar Como los sabiositos de Jalisco par todas vueltas como el carro todos mis amigos
2: pretty much slowly talking about the issues in Cuba and like people leaving them stopping because Fidel Castro after a few years in power stopped like Jadisco Park kind of shut it down for reasons that people don't know and later on it was open but I guess the, it was just like their youth was taken away much like the friends that left Part of their youth was taken away. So he talks about it a lot. And he makes a, I guess, a connection between like the state of communism as it went forward. And Jadisco Park out. It fell down. He says in the song, I think, we're just spinning around with not much answers of what's coming next. Like us in the Ferris wheel. Everyone's spinning around, kind of confused. But it's okay because you're just a child and this is the way the world goes but as you grow up and reflect i guess not me because i wasn't i wasn't around when this happened but through word of mouth i i heard how everything like a lot of people that's all that they had there's no outside world no internet no outside media so everything was just that was your world and you just reflect on the memories of Jalisco Park over and over years after it shut down. <laughs>
0: Aquí siendo descargar con todas las calumnias de la patria potestad, luego a mi amiguito el Padre.
2: He's talking about, like, people crying for the child. But I think what he's trying really to say is that, like, you you don't cry for your friend that left. I don't think my friends cried when I left Cuba. Perhaps they were upset or, like, sad or missing me. But I think what he's trying to reflect is, like, they're not crying for that. But they're crying for the fact that they just took something away from you as a kid with no reason at all. Rather than it was just something built by Americans before the communist state came in
1: it was built by Americans
2: yeah Jalisco Park was there before Fidel
0: Castro <laughs> Ser como él Después el pelo largó time again.
2: It's weird though because I like that song a lot and I know exactly what he's talking about and I didn't go through all this like I the only reason why I can like reflect on it is cuz like you every Cuban that you talk to family members or family friends they always have to talk about like their youth the good and the bad and they reflect on it like I guess kind of like he does through the song right he's saying oh I remember these moments and now I'm kind of, the state doesn't want me to sing about reflecting on the good old Jalisco Park. But that's okay, because if you guys want to tear me down, much like you did the Jalisco Park, that's okay. I'll just, I won't have, to, I won't be a clown and I won't play your games. He says, I I won't be a clown, I won't be a magician, but I'll keep my guitar and I'll sing my songs even if no one listens i guess like the jalisco park that no one goes there anymore mm. it's pretty it's a pretty song
1: so i'm imagining jalisco park to be in havana it is in havana like the, a central park of havana it's a theme park yeah
2: it's a theme park oh, a outside theme park. of like this havana city you have to take like a bus there oh okay yeah and it's really small it's like it's nothing now it's probably like if you go there now i'm sure there's just like overgrown trees and and Perhaps they like try to renovate it or bring 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 it back or do something there, but yeah, it's it's nothing.
1: So uh, it might be a dumb question, but why were people leaving in general from the Jalisco Park? From he says my friends are leaving and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, because there was the Mariel and stuff like this, and
1: I don't what is, what is that.
2: The Mariel was like a point. This was later on, but initially. There is, like, Fidel, when he first got in, not everyone was in agreement with his message. So he says, okay, if you don't want to stay, you can go.
0: Matt Harper, Bill Jorgensen, Jerry Girard and the award-winning Action News team. Good evening. Politicians from several states tonight are sharply criticizing President Carter's handling of the Cuban refugee problem. The governor of Texas, Bill Clements, says the president has literally opened the floodgates, placing no limitations on the number of Cubans entering the United States. Today, the Cuban sea lift slowed a bit, but since last month, 25,000 refugees from Castro's Cuba have come to America. And now reports that the Cuban government has stalled the sea lift operation for at least 12 hours, backing up boats in the refugee crowded port of Mariel.
2: Like, if you don't agree with my policies, you can go. Obviously, he's not going to come with the iron fist right from the start. That's not the way you start as, uh, like, a government, right? So he's like, well, if you, if you want to leave, you can leave. So a lot of artists and a lot of uh, people with property, they don't want to give it all to the state, so they do leave. That's what he's thinking about. He's like, all, all my friends left. And I don't know why the world, like, like my world is spinning, like the carousel at Calisco Park. But... Yeah, people were just leaving because there was not much value to stay in Cuba, or they didn't believe this man's message for whatever reason. Later on, for protest and political prisoners, overcrowded prisons in the nineties, I think he says the this is the Mariel period, and then he just says, "Okay, if you want to leave, you can leave by boat. I'm not gonna like send you off on planes or anything, but you can leave by boats." And he lets all the, like, political prisoners and, like, kind of, like... But a lot of them were just normal prisoners, hmm. you know, just criminals, scum. And he just says, okay, let's clear out the prisons and send everybody to the states. The reason why the Mariel happens is because Fidel starts noticing that, like, there's more and more, like, people, like, Let, give us liberty, give us freedom. It's around the same time that, the, that like, the special period time of period uh, especial and what it is is like we have to be like really resourceful now cuz Russia is down like the Soviet state fell and there's no more resources coming in so we are like on our own and then obviously like the stores were empty everything's empty so he has to he just says okay a lot of people are on the streets protesting it doesn't look good on the international scene if like on protests, you're just like hosing people down on the street. So he just says, "Okay, I'll give you what you want. You can leave. If you want to leave, you can leave."
1: Oh, uh, okay. So by political prisoners, people who who protested on the streets and stuff like this. Uh, okay, I pictured very bad people. Yeah, I'm assuming these people weren't that aren't like didn't commit heinous crimes no
2: they didn't they're just like fighting for like basic human rights like more than like a few eggs for a whole month right right and like very like silly crimes for instance like my uncle he was like a political prisoner because while he was doing his uh, like you just do two years of like military duty so you're ready if anything
1: like israel
2: yeah something like that and while he was doing that he's like kind of like a hippie and he's like oh we're gonna like hijack a plane but it was in joking and someone like said okay this guy said this and then they sent him in prison
1: oh he's joking about hijacking the plane
2: yeah of course he doesn't have the skills (laughs) (laughs) to do something like that and anyways he they sent him to prison and in prison he becomes a political prisoner he qualifies for these like first uh, people to go and then because the Mario starts with politicals and then he's like oh there's an opportunity to just send everybody in our overcrowded prisons and then people in rafts
1: too and the us was accepting these political prisoners cuz they disagreed with castro's exactly
2: pro- they're just refugees <sighs>
1: yeah.
2: I don't know the politics behind it, but I'm not sure, like, even if before the Mariel, if, like, the United States always took in re- Cuban refugees. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, like, if they... It makes sense from a political standpoint. If you're against Soviet Russia, be like, hey, come over. It yeah. shows how bad yeah, the situation really is there. But, yeah, right. that's what the Mariel was, and my uncle like left during that period to Miami. He's he's a funny dude. He actually like, he while he was in prison, this is actually an interesting story actually. <laughs> while this man was in prison, he said that he met uh, like, what was it? Like a statistician or something like that, that was like, hired by the, so- not the Soviet Russia, I don't know, I think he was like Swedish or something like that, and he was put in prison because he disagreed with Fidel, he told him, you're not going to be able to harvest this much sugar in a year, it's literally impossible, and this is a period that like, I guess my parents' generation knows very well, because it didn't matter what job you had, everyone had to go to the sugar fields, because it was such like uh such a main export. But the fact is that like he stopped all the whole economy just to reach this incredible goal of harvesting all the sugar. So it didn't matter if you're a doctor or whatever the hell you're doing. Maybe not doctors because they're always need around. But if you're just like a architect and or a engineer, it doesn't matter. Everyone's gonna go to the sugar harvest. <laughs> so and the man who disagreed with him, at the end he didn't reach the goal, I'm pretty sure if from what I've heard, but uh, yeah, the man who disagreed with him was in prison with my uncle, and he's like, oh, "This no is why I'm here because Fidel Castro didn't want me to telling him like
1: what I was hired to tell him." Yeah, that's gnarly. <laughs> and what prompted your dad? or both your parents? Both your parents are Cuban.
2: Yeah, both my parents are Cuban. yeah.
1: What prompted them to go to Ottawa?
2: They just a better life for us for Mm -hmm. me and my brother so that and when Carlos Varela talks about like you know saying bye to your friends and kind of being upset that well he talks about his friends leaving on a boat right like the early people I didn't leave on a boat guys I did not leave (laughs) on a boat I left on a plane (laughs) doesn't matter uh but uh no Yeah, they like it was, it wasn't hard to say bye to like my friends. But when you get to Canada, you're like, your world is kind of spinning, right? You may, you've made all these relationships and you have to start from zero, right? Right. And you didn't speak English, no, not at all. Uh, But yeah, no, my parents like, and for them too, eh? I'm not the only one that starts from zero. Like, at least you're just a child, you're like, you have your whole life ahead of you. Right. Like, for example, both of my parents, like, they did what their professions were in Cuba, but for a very limited time. And then they had to start all new professions, all new language. Hmm. I guess some new friends, too, whether they're Cuban or not. But usually most of them were Cuban, like, the Cuban community is tight in hmm. Canada. But yeah, you start your life over in a right. whole new country.
1: And it makes sense why there's these giant communities of Cubans now. I didn't know any of this. I didn't know there was political prisoners or that.
2: Even today, even today, there's like these like the wo- white mothers or something like that. It's the same thing. Every few years, there's a recycling of new waves of people just protesting something new. There's crimes by the state has has never stopped from the from early. From the early start of it, yeah.
1: what kind of uh environment did you grow up in? It was was it post communist or was it still? No, I I was born still in the periodo especial that I was telling you about
2: earlier. So and I think <laughs> people in Cuba still joke that we're still in the periodo especial, right? Like. It's like the special period that has never ended it's just like it's just it's like when fidel Castro. if you ever go online and look up like his speeches when he's talking about the video special like we all have to unite and do this it's been like i don't know i'm 24 and this started like two or three years before i was born so 27 years on and a lot of people still believe that we're still in the special period
1: <laughs> right and now so his brother is in charge right
2: no actually he just like stepped down like last month oh but I don't know how much he's stepping down really uh he's still the secretary of state oh. he steps down cause I don't think he wants to travel or have to be like the face of like I guess cause I, since things are changing really fast I don't think he wants to be the face that takes the burden if things go wrong so he's right. just gonna be the guy pulling the strings as the secretary of state and another man who's, like, the face of the state is there. Right. But he seems liked by the people, from what mm-hmm. little I've read. The guy who's
1: the face? Yeah. Uh, man, he's got to be old. No, he's not. He's no, not I old. mean, Fidel's brother, what's his name? Raul Castro. Raul. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's old, but he's strong. Uh,
2: sorry, you asked me about what kind of, how did I grow up in Cuba? I actually, like, my family was really well off mm. in comparison to the other, to the rest of the people. Uh, so we had family outside of Cuba that, like, provided aid. And, like, if we needed some money, you can ask them for some money. Every time they travel into Cuba, they bring some stuff, you know. Uh, you just, you have contacts, you know. Like, our, our neighbor, which was a good friend of ours, was the trainer for, the like, The Taekwondo team, so every time he traveled outside, he'd bring back stuff for us, these kinds of things, you know? So in that context, that was good. My my parents worked a lot. My parents, like, they both had their profession as an accountant and a topographer, but (laughs) as a topographer, when I tell my parents that, like, uh, when I tell my friends that my parents were topographers, or one of them was a topographer, my father is a topographer and like on the side he was selling cakes and working as a st- <laughs> like a bag boy like the guy who takes the bags off when chips come in when uh, like the cruise comes in okay
1: yeah that's yeah. not a
2: stevedore uh, did that rented movies like, like he's a, 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 a bank like a, a movie bank like a blockbuster a cuban like <laughs> blockbuster was what my dad did and i remember going with him like i was a little kid and it was nice for me because, like, like, all my friends were always at my house because we had, like, all the movies at our house. Right. But it was funny because, like, my dad would go on, out on the street with, like, a big bag of the new movies he had. And on top of yeah. the bag, he just put, like, a bunch of rice or something to cover up. So, oh, cause to the was police, illegal. that's on every corner, of course. Yeah. It was all bootleg.
1: Oh,
2: right. Yeah. So, little things like that, right? That... You don't realize that as a kid, it's like, oh, my dad, like, rents movies. But you, they make sure to tell you not to, like, talk about this. Right. But it, I'm, like, I'm forever grateful that my parents did all these extra things so that we could have, like, to be really well off. And as a kid, you don't know that. Like, at age 10, you don't, you don't care that your dad, like, sells, like, rice wine and, like, pea wine. Not not urine (laughs) (laughs) like chickpea
1: wine oh right yeah no that's what i was thinking
2: yeah uh all these things and you're just like Mm. he's just a topographer by then and sells all these things by night Mm. but hell like probably the large part of his income came from like doing all these things Mm. yeah so yeah no in that sense we were well off we were
0: (laughs)
1: Someone in Ottawa, when you told me how I immigrated? Yeah.
2: Okay, so Leo, my cousin, who's a friend of ours, her dad was like, I guess, the flag holder. For the rest of, like, our family who came out afterwards. He got hired by a coding company in Canada. And, well, he was very well off and very hush-hush. If, like, the stories that, like, my aunt tells me about, like, where they kept the money is, 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 like, something out of a movie, you know? They kept, like, their money in, like, lamps and stuff. Like, why? Because the amount of money that he was getting paid as, like, Working for a Canadian company. Oh, he was still
1: in Cuba, and he was working for this Canadian company.
2: No, they would just take him out on trips here and there. And whenever he came back, he had a lot of money, and they would, like, keep it in the lamps or, I don't know. They put it in a bunch of places around the house. But, yeah, it was, like, imagine, like, a Cuban family with all this money. You'd be, like, you'd be on edge, right? Because, like, if anybody ever found out, your house would be, like, cleared out. Right. You could have, like, you would... If it got out, you would, like... You wouldn't leave your house in fear that all this money would be gone. And the opportunity for your children, even extended family, to possibly get on the future would be lost.
1: So he would go on trips, come back and be in Havana, and they'd be hiding this money.
2: Yeah. And eventually they left. And a few years when they got comfortable in Canada, like they got established. And, you know, they were... Because to start in a new country is always hard, regardless of what job you have, right? right? You have a whole family. So when they were well off and comfortable, then they gave us the opportunity. And they didn't like burden all the money either. Like they got other family friends, Cuban family friends to kind of like a charity like or an early Kickstarter. Hey, help my help my sister leave Cuba. they need so much money in their bank account to immigrate to Canada legally? Mm-hmm. And then once my family made it to Canada, then you slowly pay all these all these charitable people back
1: right friends and family yeah
2: and i'm i'm not sure i, I haven't talked to other immigrants but i'm sure it works the same for other yeah. for other families <laughs> Let's go back to Cuba. I have more things to say about. This. Okay, yeah. Uh, so now, as it stands, and maybe it still like was the same when I left, when I was 12 and I left. There's always gonna be people in Cuba that don't ever take the risk of leaving. Regardless of how bad the situation is there and the uncertainty of your future, because the state at any point could make up some rules and take what you have away from you, there's still people who don't take the leap, right? Like the leap of faith to be like, all right, let's start over in a new country. despite how well off I am. And that's just because, I don't know, it's it's really strange to me. Now that I've seen like how well my life has turned out, I think it's weird that not many people would take that leap and the applause to my parents for actually doing it and giving me the opportunity to get like an education in a first world country and then traveling to Spain and none of this stuff would be possible without them. Hmm.
1: Do you think Cuba is in a state where every citizen should consider leaving?
2: uh that depends this is what happens eh like for those people that i'm talking about that are well off and don't want to take that leap you're the you're the big fish in a small pond right mm-hmm. you don't want to go to you don't want to go to florida miami let's say which is most likely where you'll end up as a cuban and start a business there but you're one of Tons of businesses, and it's very competitive, the American market, in comparison to, like, the Cuban state. And harder to be corrupt, also. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that every Cuban, like, company's corrupt, but in, in Cuba, as it stands, all those private businesses usually get around because they buy off someone. Like, all hey, right, keep your mouth shut. I'll give you, like, three kilos of meat.
1: You can't cut as many corners. Maybe. Exactly.
2: But... I don't know. It's, it's hard to to speak for other people, but yeah, it's like my dad always says like this thing is like, you've like, you've like pissed on my face so many times and told me it's raining. I'm, I know, like, I know I'm not going to like trust you anymore. Like what's the point? This was about the government. About the government. Yeah. It's like opportunities now have opened up where you can like get benefits. Keep in mind, I'm still a Cuban citizen. They don't, oh, I, they, I didn't know that. Yeah, they make me. They don't. They don't let you renounce your citizenship. Really? No. So,
1: do you have a passport, or
2: do you I just have a, I have a Cuba? Cuban passport, which I have to fly to Cuba with.
1: Oh right, yeah.
2: And that alone is a whole other like problem because like the cost of like this passport is really expensive for what little benefits it gives you as a Cuban citizen, right? Uh, And it's weird. It's weird because like now there's all these opportunities for like to have more rights. For instance, like when I left and up to like two or three years ago, I'm a Cuban citizen without the right to own property in Cuba, which is super strange. It doesn't make any sense. But these are just the way things are, right? They don't make any sense. The world is spinning. Huh. Right? And, and, like, that's just the ones I remember. But I'm sure as someone who grew up through throughout this whole thing, his world, Carlos Varela's world, along with everyone from his generation, is spinning more. Oh, now we, you're not allowed to listen to American music or English music. You're not allowed to listen to the Beatles. But why? It doesn't make any sense. All these, like, rules that are... Just no one knows where they come from, so essentially, what my dad says is like, "Yeah, you don't. You're not gonna fool me so many times. You've told me. I've seen how these tricks play out. You, you give me new things, and then without notice, you take him away. You tell me here, buy property, but I know this game. Like, I know how this is gonna turn out. Cause ten years from now." Hell, maybe 20 years from now when I'm comfortable, my retirement, where I'm flying back from Canada to Cuba and Canada to Cuba, you say, hey, oh, you don't need this anymore. And they take away your property. Or they don't take it away. They'll buy it back from you for whatever they think it's cost.
1: They'll buy it back. Yeah. So like, or
2: they'll just make rules, make your life so difficult that you have to sell it back to them. Right. They're, they're never going like to break basic human rights like oh you're not allowed to live here anymore get out. No. Hmm. It's gonna make your life very difficult to the point that you do leave. It's it it almost
1: sounds it. Jim Crow in in that like Jim Crow laws prevented black people from voting not because they said black people can't vote. They knew certain things black people didn't have access to and then they'd exploit that.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah that that's how the, that's how the state works in Cuba. Hmm. Exactly like that. And yeah, so, but a lot of people still fall for it because it's the same thing that we're talking The people that don't like taking risk, they just go, oh, you know what, screw it. In the short time, this is going to help me out really well. But they don't think long term. I don't think these people are, is the kind that they value the short term success or of their business. So They're not really thinking far ahead. Hmm. Like their children or their grandchildren hope. I guess maybe there's also hope that enough is enough and things will get better in Q. It depends who you ask. Some people will tell you it's going to be the same. Some people will say that it's not, that it's actually going to get better.
1: I don't know. I can't give you a right answer. Right. What do you think?
2: I think it's going to remain the same. I think back. the day when as we were saying about like the sugar cane was the main export now the main industry is just tourism every time now that i tell like anybody that's foreign of cuba i tell them oh like yeah i'm cuban They'll always respond, oh, now Americans can go. Because that was, like, the news about it's three exactly years ago. exactly what I said, like, yeah. three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, now Americans can go. And it's true. Things are opening. But no one, like, it's a whole embargo that opened up, right? And it's, like, a lot of trades and everything. But, like, the idea was that now Americans can go to Cuba. Tourists, American tourists can come. And that's exactly what it's going to be, I think. More tourists are going to come to Cuba. More things... And now when I go to Cuba, it's just like, as sad as it is, it's just all about tourism. Mm. I've been to places where it was like, when as a kid I went and it was like these beautiful riverbanks and everything. Now you have to pay to go into like just a river. That's like, should be public access. It's just a river on a mountain. Why is there a charge to go into a river and stay there a maximum one hour to like shower or swim around? And I think that's just like a microcosm of what's gonna happen in the future, it's just in the near future what I... okay, if we're gonna go back to the song that like his main message was like a bunch of confused youth in Cuba and a confused generation Uh, what I what I hope is that like with the like, internet getting to Cuba and access to internet is getting to Cuba hopefully like youth become aware of the outside world and spiral out of this confusion and the confusion of the carousel, wheel the spinning world and I don't know it's a it goes upright from here the generation the next generation the next generation of Cubans. So yeah That that's what I hope
1: I want to wholeheartedly thank Adrian Medina for talking with me Also thank you to Miles Manley Whose music you heard at the beginning of this episode And Adam Passion Whose music you're hearing right now You can find all the songs you heard today On the website Personandsong.com Speaking of music, my new album, Time and Place, is now available on all digital platforms, so go check that out wherever you get your music. That's Time and Place. My name is Johnny Pickett, and I thank you for listening.